Let's let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing today? Good. Forgot to plug in. Um, and twelve-game winning streak. Twelve-game winning wow. streak. Jason Greger said it was the longest by this would be the longest by a Canadian-based NHL team since Montreal Canadiens in 1967-68. I remember that they were in last place on Christmas, and then they That's reeled what, uh, off Jack... twelve wins in a row. And they lost one game, and they reeled off eight in a row. Kind of like what Edmonton's just done—two big long streaks right in a row. Jack said that on the uh, broadcast as well. I don't know who said it first, but yeah, he was. Uh, you were at the game tonight. Yes, I but, was. Um, <clears throat> yeah, another come from behind victory, Bruce. Is that five in a row? Five in a row? Five in a row. Five in a row. Gave up the first goal in the first three, and then they gave up the first two goals in games four and five. So, Man, they, did uh, they look ugly early on. Whew. Maybe we'll talk about that. Maybe we'll talk about that. Uh, Bruce, this is our um, two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast with one as yet unspecified conundrum. Maybe it will be, will Cat Stevens get any airtime? That's mm, the She's conundrum. working on it. <laughs> All right. Hey. What's your good thing, Bruce? Yeah. Uh... I'm going to have to go with uh, number 29, Leon Dreisaitl. That's my good thing in this game. Uh, I thought he took command of this one on a night that, that McDavid and his line mates really didn't have it. It didn't seem like, you know, the odd little thing, but it wasn't really working for them. But uh, the second line kind of took over and uh, uh, had a terrific night. And Leon was in the middle of everything. One goal, three assists, and a 4-2 win. And he had, um, oops, that's my cat. Uh, and then we had, uh, 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 he led the comeback with uh, uh, setting up Warren Fogel with a, with a um, uh, opportunity, but a quick shot on net that created a rebound, dangerous rebound. Uh, then he scored the 2-2 himself with his first power play goal in a very long time, like I think since December. And... Uh, I'm going to have to get rid of this cat in a minute, I'm afraid. She keeps bumping the camera. That's not supposed to work. Anyway, uh, it, <clears throat> he, uh, and it was just a um, very smart play. Of uh, He directed a shot towards the net, and the rebound came out to him, and he saw the situation, just flipped it right off of uh, Joey Deckard, who was in net for uh, Seattle. He was just okay for Seattle, Joey Deckard. So, anyways, uh, that tied it up. And then the thing of beauty to me was the 3-2 uh, when uh, they created a turnover in their own zone. And then uh, 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 Evander Kane fired a headman pass. Drysaddle picked up in his back skate, kicked it up to his stick, and instantly whipped, a, I think it was a backhand pass to Fogel right at breaking at the blue line. It was very close at the blue line. And if Leon had held the puck even for a split second, it would have been offside. But he kicked it up to his stick, bang, sent Fogel in alone, Fogel buried. And that put orders ahead 3-2. And then 
uh, finally in the third, late in the third on the power play, just a beautiful little pass he slipped through to McDavid. It set McDavid and Hyman up two on one down low, and they finished that play. But what Leon with all those plays, but also some you know terrific, I thought, defensive work. I, I saw three times in the third period that he flat out stole the puck off of some Seattle guy coming hard on the back check and just lifting the guy's stick, and I'll take that. And he just seemed to have, you know, he seemed to be, to me, to be the dominant performer in the game. And I'm wearing my new uh, Leon that I got for Christmas under the tree. So I thought it was even the right, the right kit for tonight's game, the third jersey. And four points so, for four, Leon. Four points. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to have to sleep in that, Bruce. <laughs> That's not going to happen. <laughs> but, Anyway, is that a little uh, horse, Bruce? A little yeah. horse, yeah. I was booing a little mm-hmm. bit. That slashing penalty on McDavid right after he got sort of hogtied from center ice all the way in for you know one of the best holding penalties I've ever seen. Like that guy did a good job, but the cheap penalty they called, oh man. Yeah. Anyway, uh, and fans were going refuse suck, you know that stuff, which I don't participate in any of that kind of thing, I'm, you know. But I waited for everything to quiet down, and then I said, "Ref, you owe us one." <laughs> you know, um, Joey Decord, and he gave us one. I'm going to get to that. Uh, Joey Decord um, was actually pretty good. Those goals that they scored, the Oilers scored like not many netminders are going to have those. You know, those were just incredible shots. Um, Fogel's shots, two shots there were were uh, brilliant shot. Like what? <laughs> What has gotten into Fogel, other than having the best post-game hair in NHL history? Um, he, man, that guy can fire the puck right now, and um, and he's uh, he's going to get himself a nice contract, Bruce. And uh, yeah, if, especially especially if the orders go on a cup run, yeah. And then he and he plays well, like this well in the playoffs, which is entirely possible. He's playing with real confidence with the puck. I agree with you with Leon. He was spectacular tonight. He, he, and and it was, um, he's a funny guy, because eh? sometimes the legs are gone and sometimes they're not. And tonight, mm-hmm. were they ever? He just looked like he was, uh, you know, Bound like he... And determined. Yeah, he looked like he had, I don't know, had one of the... Um, they still have that Jolt Cola. <laughs> like 13 of those or 14 of those before the game. He was flying out there, Bruce. And um, so was Evander Kane. This was Evander Kane's best game um, on that line, bumped up to that line. He he um, lobbied hard. He went to Washington. He talked to all of the uh, all of the congressmen. He lobbied them all hard behind the scenes and uh, made a great speech. And he got on the second line. And uh, heck, he earned he earned it tonight. Like he really was making some plays. He made a nice play, winning the puck in the corner, passing it to Drysaddle on the, fir- the that crucial first goal. Mm-hmm. And um, he took Eckholm made a fantastic play actually on the on this I think it's the second goal, the breakout goal, yeah. Where he just hesitated a moment in the corner, uh, for the lane to clear, and then he whipped the pass up to Kane, who relayed it to uh, Drysaddle at center ice. So, yeah, quite a performance from that line. All, all three of those mm-hmm. players were were really good, and Leon Drysaddle was fantastic. Kurt gave him a nine out of ten. Kurt Levins, our colleague and mm-hmm. said it might have been his best game of the year. Certainly well, on the list. He had some, Leon's had some, a lot of really good games, but um, it's on the list. 
Well, how about this? 13 and 1 in the faceoff dot in this game, Ooh. Leon was. 13 and 1, 93%. Wow. So he, he dominated there. A couple block shots, a couple takeaways, a couple giveaways, four shots on net, but in the center of the action. Glad they came back. Like, honestly, Bruce, in the first period, just looking at Seattle, mm-hmm. they looked like a team that was ready to be beaten that night. Like, I know that it didn't, the Oilers had some egregious breakdowns. Maybe they were just a little cavalier, but um, yeah, Seattle just, they they just didn't look right to me, even though they, they had those break those in goals, place. Yeah. And, you know, they did lose two of their best players on one, I think, I think one single play um, last yeah. game when Beneers got slammed into the boards and then Vince Dunn comes to his rescue, gets in a fight, and I bet you that's where Dunn got hurt. Mm-hmm. So, two how quickly things change for a teammate, like one incident and then you're out two guys and if they can't be without Vince Dunn for long because he's the best player on that team. They'd won nine straight, uh, including the game that he went to bat for his teammate. Uh, And uh, you remember remember Vince Dunn going after Dylan Holloway earlier in the year when Holloway ran, was running around. Mm -hmm. And he's, that's one of the roles he takes on. He's a pretty multifaceted guy, Vince Dunn, and Seattle really missed him. That was a couple games games. ago then. Yeah, okay. They lost three straight games since Dunn got hurt. Uh, And they'd won nine straight that he was in the lineup and he was piling in the points. Like he's their top scorer, 35 points tied for... uh, well, I guess Bjorkstrand pulled ahead of him tonight because he got something. But <clears throat> anyways, hes uh, they were really missing him. And their schedule was wicked, David. I mean, you'd have to think they were going to tire in the later part of the game. And Edmonton let them hang around a bit by those early breakaways. But Seattle, they played, what's this, Thursday? They played Saturday, uh, Monday, Tuesday all in the East Coast, and then they flew from New York to Edmonton for one game on their way home tonight, and then they go home, and I think they play Saturday. And that was the sixth game of their road trip, and they they just ran out of steam, I think it's, it's fair to say. And this was, a, this was a game you probably looked at the schedule before the season started and said Edmonton should win this game. Well, mm-hmm. it took a while, but Edmonton did, in fact, win this game, and they deserve to win the game on balance, but they weren't perfect. Bruce, my good thing is, well, it's a little tongue in cheek, but not really. Connor McDavid takes for years, has been taking a ton of abuse in the NHL. Um, Hold, tax, slashes, trips. And as the years goes by, goes by, he's starting to give it out. More and more. more and more and more. And tonight, did he ever put the hammer down on Yanni Gord on a face-off near the end of the game? Face-off happens, Gord bashes him to him, McDavid bashes back, and then he comes right over his back with a cross-check, knocks him right to the ice. That's what happened. Lucky, okay. Luckily, not a penalty. But Gord lost his freaking marbles at that point. He's running around. You could just see the steam coming from his ears. He is charging around the ice, looking. He, first, he tried to get coax McDavid into a fight. You know, he's jawing with him, and and then he's charging around, looking to hit someone. And finally, the puck gets sent to the other end of the ice, and Ekholm goes back to retrieve it, and Yanni Gord comes flying like uh, Eva and Cornway out of hell and slams him 
against the boards. Now he, I think he, he pretty much missed the hit. Mm-hmm. He did. He, he did get off his feet, but he didn't get Ekholm in the head, fortunately, or get a full piece of him. But he did get enough of him that Ekholm was like hurting, and that Ekholm went right at Gord. And <laughs> did he ever? Took him a minute and sort of go, "Where's that guy? Get him!" You got the wrong guy, Yaddy <laughs> Gord. You got the Viking. <laughs> the mean Swede, as Jack called him. Jack Michaels called him on the broadcast tonight. I think it was mm-hmm. Jack. Yeah, you got the mean Swede there. And uh, yeah. Anyway, I like I like McDavid giving out more than he takes. I think it's uh, perfectly reasonable at this point in his career. He's been in the NHL a long time. Um, he's taken a ton of abuse. He took it and took it and took it. Now he's not taking it anymore. Yeah, good for him. Um, go after these guys. Um, don't don't let them get that edge over you, which is what players like Yanni Gord and others will do, right? Because they're they're agitators. Yanni Gord has uh, he's tied with Vince Dunn for penalty minutes on his team this year with forty eight. So I that's my good thing. I like that in McDavid's game. What's your bad thing, Bruce? Yeah. Uh, well. <laughs> The early start jumps out with the breakaways and the t- two fantastic snipes by the two Seattle guys. Credit where yeah. due. So the guy down the road from me was given uh, given um, Skinner heck. He said, two goals on six shots. You got to be better. And I sort of giving him the side eye. I think, did you see those shots? I saw those shots. <laughs> we were they were pretty good shots. They were labeled top corner, both oh. of them. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I'm actually going to go with a shift uh, just before the 3-3 goal that wasn't. <clears throat> and this was a time when the puck was in Edmonton's end and it seemed like it was forever. And Seattle, they had, you know, Yamamoto and other big guys out there dominating the boards. And it was like Edmonton's big line was out there and nobody could ever take charge. Nobody could. All they needed to do was finish one check, one check, and it just never happened. It was just, bad, you know, just, they, they just needed a proactive <laughs> play. It was driving me nuts. Yeah. It was like over a minute and and uh, just going in reverse. And this is a game I'm going to sneak in a number here. 36 hits for Seattle and 11 for Edmonton, and this was a time they needed one hit on that play, and that would have, in the you know, right, right timed hit would have changed that possession. That didn't happen, and they finally were able to get the puck out and make their long skate to the bench for the second period change. And Joey Decord made more than an okay long pass. <clears throat> All the way up to uh, 21. Is it Wenberg? Yeah, Alex Wenberg. And he comes in and he beats Skinner with a less than great shot, frankly. I thought Skinner kind of flashed that one. And thankfully, it wasn't just the Oilers who messed up their change because Seattle was changing at the bench when the pass came in. And I'm pretty sure, well, you saw it on TV. I'm pretty sure the offside challenge came from the guy yeah, it was Cutter, Cutter Yamamoto got nailed, and it was clear, and there he was just no didn't doubt get about off. it. He just didn't get off in time. Like, he had nothing nothing to do with it. He crossed the blue line ahead of the play, Bruce, to get off. Mm-hmm. Like, he uh-huh. wasn't coming back from his own. Like, oh, he, oh, really? he, was, he was, or wherever that was going coming for the, from. Going for the he, gate, eh? He crossed the line. Yamamoto <laughs> skated ahead of the play 
Dude, that was a terrible Instead one. Of diving over the bars. Oh my goodness. Yeah, earlier there was a lot of there was lots of boards ahead of him, but they mm -hmm. had the gate open, and I think he was enticed towards the gate, and then he realized, oh, and then he just jumped over the boards and he was over the line by then. Huge break for the orders, and frankly, in that moment, I felt Not like they breaker. deserved to be scored on. They played the previous shift so poorly. Oh. And I, I was not a happy camper there for a little bit, but uh, thankfully the hockey guards remain on Edmonton's side, which they've been quite a bit lately. And that, uh, I mean, it sounds like a clear cut and dried replay. I still hate the rule, but and the guy that's making a line change and the gates inside the zone, that's a real tough one. Like, that was a, yeah. You know, like... It's got nothing to do with Here's it. one for you, Bruce. The Oilers mm -hmm. had 15 grade A shots to nine for Seattle. Mm -hmm. And the five alarm shots, though, were eight to two for the Oilers. And wow. the only two five alarm shots Seattle had were the two breakaways. Now, they had the third breakaway <laughs> where Vinny DeHarnay got burnt on that one. Mm -hmm. But no shot because the guy blew his uh, move to the backhand and oh, put it wide. What happened? Okay. Yeah, he lost, he lost the handle on the puck. Tanev did. And um, missed the net completely. So that was good. That was a good moment. Because the if they had scored another goal on a breakaway. Uh, yeah. yeah, the gasp that went through the building when the third guy walked yeah. in alone, like the two seconds between the time he got the breakaway and missed the breakaway, were like, again, how is this possible? You know, clear yeah, the, three clear-cut breakaways in one period. The Oilers' defense had a poor game against Toronto. They made a lot of big mistakes. They got beat on a lot of break-ins and breakaways against Toronto, and they made a lot of gaffes, and it carried over to the first period. And, and it just reminded me, I mean, these were both of these were rush goals against. Yes. And it reminded me of the start of the year where they're just they're impatient. They're getting impatient. They're move, Ekholm moved up on the first play, right? He He had moved into the play. Um, I don't think either of them on the second goal, no, they were just beat Nurse and Ekholm were on the ice for some reason together and they both just got beat on the pass. But um, yeah, they were, Ekholm was again caught up the ice a little bit on that second goal. If he had been back another step or two, he would have been able to thwart that before it happened. So, um, you know, Dreisaitl was covering Ekholm on the first goal, but um, right. but nonetheless, you know, the defenseman doesn't always yeah, no have chance. to move into the play. And I'm not, wasn't, I, not thrilled with that beginning of a game. And, and, and they do have to get a handle on this because they're not going to be able to fight back in every game. But no kidding. it's pretty hard to complain about a 12 game winning streak at the same time. Bruce, my, uh, my bad thing is in line with that. And uh, it's so it's a, it, again, kind of a smaller matter. But I, I am a Connor Brown fan. I don't know if there's many. I'm not getting a Connor Brown uniform or anything, but I I do like the way he's playing right now. I think he's he is really hustling like yeah, hell. Good game. He is great on the PK. He had a great yes. game on the PK. In fact, the Oilers did, and he was mm -hmm. part of it. Like he's he is hustling, 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 and um. So when it was three two. Towards the end of the game, I'm thinking, hey, maybe this is the moment where he, he will get an empty net goal. And um, so with a minute left, Seattle, or not sure, in the last minute, Seattle did pull its goalie. And Brown was out there. And he did get one opportunity, but it didn't go. And then with five seconds left, Derek Ryan stole the puck in the middle of the other zone. And he hurled the puck down the ice to try to score. 
which was the safest, smartest play. Mm-hmm. And that's what Derek Ryan's going to make every single time. But if he had had just a little bit more presence of mind, there on his wing was Connor Brown. And if he had held the puck for a second and made the pass to Brown, Brown would have had a really, really good chance to score with five seconds left. And that would have been awfully seat. So my bad thing is Derek Ryan not making that pass, <laughs> even though it was a safe play not to make it. I really want to see Connor Brown start to score. I think he, I think he, he's getting close. He even not scoring. He's 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 a. I know there are some people who just they just loathe the the player. I think, and they certainly loathe oh, the bo- signing. The bonus, yeah. <laughs> they loathe the signing and yeah. they don't like the player. I actually think he's helping them win right now. He he's a. He, even not scoring, um, not getting many points, he's helping them win because this penalty kill is a huge part in Cat Stevens, uh, the tale of Cat Stevens. The oh, she got for me people again. not yeah. watching this on YouTube, and I don't think anyone actually watches <laughs> us, Bruce. But uh, they might. Everyone's they turn, the, turn the picture off, and they yeah. listen. <laughs> it's wisely turn the picture off, and they listen. Cat Stevens is Bruce's cat, and he's. I just got home, and I've been away from my cat for too long. Apparently, oh, yeah. my cat was trying to sit on my lap as I'm watching the game. I had to tell him a number of times that I was working, and he was not that, or she was not allowed to sit there. Um, her comprehension of English is weak, though, even at this point. So, yeah, two thumbs up for Connor Brown, or at least one thumb up. I'll have I, I, for Connor Brown. I, yeah, me too. He played 337 on the penalty kill tonight. Yeah. Which is a very large amount out of what, eight minutes and uh, a few seconds because there was one overlapping one. 819 and 406 for uh, Edmonton. So they had like twice as much power play time. And the order scored twice on nine shots and limited Seattle to seven shots despite having, a, you know, a 50. 50% less power play time. Edmonton made way more of it, but to me, the PK was a huge difference maker in this game. Vincent DeHarnay, he's a wonderful penalty killer. He really and, is. And really uh, is. the other thing I noticed today, sitting, <coughs> so I sit in the upper bowl behind the net, so you get a very different view from the TV view, and I really got the sense of um, the, uh, the high-low forwards guarding the center lane mm-hmm. and where he, in the old olden days they used to play the box you know one guy yeah. forward on each side but now they have a high forward and a low forward and the and the objective clearly is to just cut off direct passes through the lane and the only way the team can move the puck from one side to the other is to go back to the point and around the horn and that gives the the defense crew and the goalie time to adjust you know there's not just sort of a quick pass right through the slot and a one-timer at the other end of it and they just weren't giving those up and i just thought the communication between the forwards was good and the defense were strong and because i've been in he just his sticks in the lane all the time strong in the corners take guys out you know mess up the mess up the uh cycle and ice the puck himself I don't know how many times, but it was a few. So the owners got two power play goals tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, Bruce. There's <clears> been a lot of talk about what's what's wrong with the owners' power play. It's still a pretty good power play, but I, and and a lot of it is people saying Bouchard should shoot more, and and I I do think that's part of it. But I think it's 
I think um, what they need is more McDavid. They need him. I think he's becoming a little static, and I think he's got to move more. So that's what I would say. Get him moving with the puck, and then um, now maybe they're yeah. Maybe I'm not noticing that. Maybe the other team's denying him the puck or taking that away. But I think if they're packing in the middle, and um, they are um, taking you know taking away the cross seam pass, that have him move around the edge. Um, lots of room out there. And then when he senses the time is right, he can dive into the middle of that and take a shot, for instance. Because I don't remember the last time we've seen him do that, where he moves into the power, into the slot himself and just fires. And I think if he starts taking that puck, skating with it on the power play and with an eye to shoot it rather than pass it, um, that would be my remedy. Make sense? Yeah. I don't get the sense that he's, his first choice is to shoot. No, and not this he, year. He's no. really been deferring. He had a two-on-one with Drysaddle, and he was like almost eyeball to eyeball, and he still tried to feather a pass through. And you know, a uh, couple times I was thinking, geez, he had 64 goals last year, and this year he's scoring at half. I think what's he got 16 through half the season, 41 games. So he's literally scoring at half the rate that he did last year, goal scoring. Mm-hmm. And whether there's some reason for that. Uh, shooting is not as strong as it was last year, but he's also making other choices. I don't think he is ripping it quite as, like, you know, does he seem to be ripping it quite as hard as he was last year? I don't think so, but I don't know. Like, maybe, maybe, so maybe he's still a bit hurt and shooting the puck maybe is a bit of a chore. I don't know. doesn't look that way, though, because he looks physically like a Superman out there, honestly. So, yeah, so that's what I think. Just get the puck, McDavid, and (laughs) do it all. There's my prescription. Do everything, Connor McDavid. Uh, What's your number, Bruce? It can only be 12. 12. It can only be 12. 12 wins in a row. Sweet. Hopefully this clock has not stuck midnight on the winning streak. But as mentioned, it, it matches the uh, Montreal Canadiens. I'm just trying to find it where uh, Gregor had it. Had 17 it, games. Uh, yeah. Jack but, Michael uh, said. Yeah, the NHL record is 17 games, Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, uh, a number of years back. But the uh, um, 9293, I think that was. Oh, and yeah. No, yeah, you're right. It was the Canadian record is, is the less. The Canadian than that. record is less than that. And yeah. So. Um, but for the Oilers, it's such a new franchise record for all the talk was they never got to 10 before, uh, a little known factoid that I remembered and probably not many other people did was that the WHA Oilers of 1973-74 under Brian Shaw won 11 straight games, uh, early in the season. They, they won the first two games, lost one, then they won 11 in a row. They went to 13 and one. Bill Hunter famously said, we may never lose a game. <laughs> and they didn't make the playoffs. And they missed the playoffs. They wound up 38, 37, and 3. And just on the outside looking in of the uh, of the, uh, of the the playoffs that year, but they went on this ridiculous heater. This was still in the Edmonton Garden, right? Second year of the, of the uh, Oilers. And they went to the Coliseum the next year. So literally 50 years ago, 1973-74, they set the franchise record that they broke tonight 12 wins first order team ever to do that in the history of the franchise so 
So I'd love to d- get those WHA records in there because to me, the franchise does goes all the way back to 1972. We wouldn't have Oilers in the NHL if we hadn't started the team in uh, in 72. And, you know, the, the Oilers, they do actually recognize that uh, in a very subtle way. They named their mascot Hunter and they gave him number 72. And I'm Sweet. 100% sure that's why he got that specific number. Because so often they talk about 79, you know, because yeah. that's when we got in the NHL. But anyway, that 11-game streak stood for 50 years as a franchise record, but it is gone, taken out by the 2023-24 Edmonton Oilers defensive powerhouse. Yeah, and Doug Barry and Al Hamilton are sitting there thinking, damn. No, they're probably cheering. Um, oh. <laughs> Bruce, my number is uh, my number is the grade A shots for and against mm-hmm. during this twelve game winning streak. Sixteen point four per game for the Oilers, ten point eight against. Nice. That's that's um, about a goal and a half a game difference in expected goals. Um, at even strength, Bruce, the orders have had in those 12 games, 153. The opposition's had 100. So um, they're doing, this is not, as I've been saying, this is not a mirage. This is not a fluke. Um, of course, at some point, it, you're you're going to lose, <laughs> just you're going to get bad bounces and right. you're going to lose. But this is, this is a utterly dominant hockey team. This is the team I envisioned. Going into the year, this is what I thought we were going to see all year. The Oilers being this this good. I really did think that. I was thinking, you know, this could be one of those years where, like, a magical year where, you know, you don't have that, you know, you have less than 20 losses all year long for the Edmonton Oilers. And um, uh, not to be, but this is a, this team is really, really fantastic. Yeah, only time you hear 150 to 100... You know, that's 1.5 to 1. That's 60%. If you got 60% yeah. of the dangerous chances, the other goalie's got to stand on his head night after night, or your goalie has to stink. And early yeah. in the season, Edmonton's goalies did stink, uh, and they weren't making their shots. Uh, but now they are, and they're still not really, like, they're not shooting lights out. Like, their shooting percentage was... Over the last 10 games, 11th best in the league. It was by far the lowest ranking of any of Edmonton's key stats for shooting percentage. But their save percentage is like second, just right there with Halibut, you know. And when you're getting 60% of the shots and your goalie's on fire, well, that is a recipe for big success. And we've seen, you know, low-scoring games, but Edmonton coming out on top night after night. They really are limiting, though, grade-A shots. Yes. So 10.8 grade-A shots per game. That that translates into, what, like 2.7 goals against? And I don't know what they gave up, but um, something like that anyway. Tonight, they what stood out to me in the third period was how methodical they were at getting pucks out of their own end, getting them into the neutral zone, chipping them deep, making their changes. Like, it was just just very uh, uh, business-like. They had the lead, and they weren't, like, taking huge chances trying to trying to expand the lead. They were... Uh, it wasn't that they weren't trying to score, but what they were really trying to do was not give up anything. 
and Seattle didn't get how many grade eight chances in the third period, David? None. Oh, just yeah. wait, three, but none oh, five okay. alarm. Oh, okay. Three grade eight chances, but none five alarm for Seattle in the third period. Um, one on the power play, two at even strength. Okay. So one of them was deflected. It was, an, it was a shot by Tolvanen that deflected off McLeod right. and made for a difficult save. Mm-hmm. Um, was one of those. So uh, Bruce... Speaking of goaltending, Jack Campbell's save percentage has crept up to 902 in the AHL. So -hmm. congratulations to Jack Campbell. Uh, When we all finally obsessing and paying attention, he's quietly put together a solid run of games and um, got that save percentage above 900. So that's great. Um, I don't know what the future holds here, but him playing well certainly makes him a more tradable commodity. Um, if, if, uh, there's any possibility of that, or maybe there's, there's still hope that he, he'll work his way back into the NHL with the owners. I don't think it would be till next year, but, um, there's still that chance. Bruce. Yeah. They got no way to bring him up without waving Calvin Pickard. And I wouldn't want to be doing that just now because he got snapped up in a New York minute because there's lots of teams that need goaltending and Pickard's done nothing but stop pucks and win games. But yeah, Campbell's doing point. the same thing. Like his last three games down there, 33, 36, 34 shots, and each time two goals against. Each time Bakersfield won three to two, or they got an empty net goal. But you know he he turned uh, three goals of offense uh, into a victory, even as he faced you know 35 or so shots in each game. And that's that's solid goaltending to do consistently is great. Good on him. The conundrum, Bruce. Mm-hmm. The conundrum is this. How long will it take for the Emily Daughters to overtake the Vegas Golden Knights? Tonight, um, they overtook the LA Kings. Edmonton now has 51 points in 41 games. The Kings have 50 points in 42 games. The Oilers are now third place Excellent. in the Pacific Division. Um, so, Again, the orders with 51 points in 41 games. Vegas with 57 points in 45 games. So the Oilers are um, six points behind, but they have four games in hand. And the Canucks are way atop the division, 64 points in uh, 45 games. So um, that's still a stretch to uh, charge ahead and capture the lead from the Canucks. It's not impossible, though, um, the way this team's playing, but it's not likely. It's a pretty big lead, unless Vancouver starts to... Well, maybe they'll have one of these streaks like L.A. or yeah, Vegas maybe. has had. You know, I mean... They haven't everything's yet. Been, everything's been going right for them, and they're playing really well, and they're, you know, their percentages are off the charts, and that'll drive a good team to greatness, you know. But yeah, Edmonton is at least... But, you know... Oilers are 13 points back with four games in hand. And, you know, you win most of those four games and that that deficit becomes a little more manageable. Yeah, the Oilers are at the half halfway mark of the season. So it's a matter of, you know, they've got a, as you say, it's it's a 13 points. But um, they can make that Cal- up, it's possible. Got to beat Calgary. That's the next item on the agenda. 
So how quickly do you think they overtake Vegas, Bruce? Oh, they're 633 to 622 by percentage. Yep. And by percentage, they could take them all take catch them very quickly i mean it would i think it would be one win and one loss would you know for the two teams would put edmonton head by percentage but because there's those games you know six points behind and it's a while before they really start making up games i think they only play uh four more games and then they have a nine day break and then after that they, the schedule really starts to pick up so it won't be till february at the earliest and Vegas could yet turn around, but we'll see. They have a big game in Vegas right after the break. I think the Correct. first game back is at Vegas. And Will right Eichel back. still be out then? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, that's uh, a big, obviously. He's a fan. Jack Eichel is a fantastic. Theodore and, and Eichel are both. Yeah, out. those are big. One goalie is Aiden Hill's been out for quite some time. So they've had some rough injury luck, and Edmonton really hasn't. So uh, not since the start of the year. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. And they had guys playing hurt, and it really, it really showed. Uh, but they haven't had a lot, a lot of man games missed. Yeah, and, and at least not of you know top top players like Eichel and Theodore. So. You know who looked like a good player for Seattle was Riker Evans of Calgary. Mm-hmm. Um, second round draft pick in 2021. Mm-hmm. This was his 11th or 12th oh, yeah. NHL game, and yeah, he looks like a player, physical and can move the puck. So he's not a big guy; like he's 5'11", 190. But uh, he four, four hits, four player. shots, eight shot attempts, and he played almost 23 minutes tonight. Yeah, he so, was good. Like that's where Vince Dunn was missing, and they would have like bumped a, yeah. a whole bunch of other guys would have got extra minutes for that. But twenty two fifty three is near the top of the pile. Yep, so. indeed. Well, Bruce, um, let's leave it there. Talk to you uh, Saturday night after the Calgary game. Thanks for talking tonight. Yep. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between time, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.